Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory, or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today's episode features a special guest and is a follow-up to episode four, which was about preventing falls by identifying and addressing a person's particular medical risk factors. In that episode, I mentioned that exercise is one of the top general recommendations for fall prevention, and that's because a lot of research has shown that when older adults increase their strength and balance, they tend to fall less. Furthermore, exercise is good for virtually all aspects of health and is often a proven treatment for a wide variety of chronic health conditions. However, you may be wondering what types of exercises you or your older relative, if you're younger and listening because you're a family caregiver, you may be wondering what types of exercises to do for fall prevention. Can you find them at the local senior center? Is it really better to ask the doctor for a physical therapy referral? These are questions that often come up once people have heard that they should be doing exercises to prevent falls. So for today's episode, I'm thrilled to be interviewing someone who is one of the country's foremost experts on exercise and fall prevention. Her name is Professor Tiffany Schubert. She is a practicing physical therapist with a doctorate in human movement science, and she is also a faculty member at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, where she's part of their Center for Aging and Health. Tiffany's work and research focuses on fall prevention, and since 2011, she's worked with the Center for Disease Control and the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill to help train physical therapists to deliver a clinically proven fall prevention exercise program called Otago, which was originally developed in New Zealand and now is recommended by the CDC because studies have found that it's an effective, doable exercise program that really reduces falls in older adults who are at higher risk. So if you've been worried about falls for yourself or for an older loved one, Otago is definitely a program that you want to know about and potentially ask about. Furthermore, learning more about what's involved in this particular exercise program is a terrific way to better understand what types of exercises work best for reducing falls and helping older adults safely maintain mobility and independence. So I'm just so glad that Tiffany was available today for an interview to tell us about Otago and other ways to make sure you find an exercise program that really works for preventing falls. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. This is a wonderful opportunity. So I'm dying to have you tell us more about Otago, but I thought it might first make sense for you to tell us a little bit more in general about exercise and fall prevention. A lot of research has been done on this over the years, and you've been involved in some of it. Could you start by explaining to us all what are some general key points to keep in mind if an older adult or family or if the doctors suggest using exercise in order to actually reduce fall risk? Absolutely. And it's a very interesting field um, because we're learning some really important things that are very different than what we typically think about when we think about exercise. Generally, when people say, oh, I need to exercise or I need to start an exercise program, they typically mean they want to start a walking program or they want to 
you know, may, maybe start a bike riding program. They typically think more about the type of exercises that we associate more with cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. And what we're really learning with strength and balance, and in particular with the aging process, is that though those exercises are important, they're not going to give you the greatest benefit for fall prevention or protection against injury from a fall. I see. Yeah. So it's, it's very different. The things that we really need to be focusing on is strength training and specifically of the lower extremity muscles of the legs and the hips and the calves and balance specific training. Mm-hmm. Quite a few studies have shown if you prescribe walking as an exercise to an older adult, who has leg muscle weakness, who has balance impairments, they actually are much more likely to experience a fall. Wow. Yeah. So we, we've been, you know, I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm just so glad you're bringing this up because even as a geriatrician, until I started doing, you know, a little background research on exercise because I wanted to talk to you about Otago, I, I think that hadn't been so high on my radar. You know, I've usually thought that walking unless a person is clearly, you know, very off balance is a pretty good idea. And so I think it's so important and helpful for us to hear this, that walking in of itself is not enough and can even put people at greater risk. Absolutely. And this is really common and it typically catches people off guard because again, it's like, well, we want to exercise, we want to walk. So now we're really focused on making sure that person has adequate strength and um, and strength training. You know, people hear that and they think, "Oh my goodness, I need to go to a gym." There's, I have to lift weights, and and that's really not the case. So much of it can just be your body weight. I mean, being able to get up and down from a chair 30 times, if you can do that, you have excellent lower extremity strength. Oh, great. Okay, so that's if people. Um are wondering whether they have enough strength and balance. It sounds like that's something that they could do or that they could talk to their doctors about doing a sort of simple test where they just stand up and sit down up out of the chair several times. Absolutely. And actually, you can even time yourself. And um, it's one of the, it's a very nice test. It's called the 30-second chair rise. And you can actually see how many times you can stand up and sit down in 30 seconds without using your arms. So you can't, you can't use your arms to push off. There's age and gender-based normative values for that test. And if you are a 65-year-old man, you should be able to do at least 12 chair rises in that 30 seconds. If you're a 90-year-old woman, you should be able to do at least six. And if you're somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. you're somewhere in between. Right. But, you know, that sort of gives you a good sense of where you are. And, um, we do recommend when you do this, it's not off your sofa. It's not off like a real plushy chair. It's more like off of a, a kitchen chair, you know, that's mm-hmm. against the wall and all of that good stuff. Okay. Well, I can certainly put a link describing that test. And so that's a little something that people can do almost on their own for strength. And then do you have an easy one that people can do just to do like a preliminary check on their balance? Yep. Yes, we do. For balance, the easiest way to check your balance is to either stand in your kitchen or in the bathroom or anywhere you have access to a counter, put both hands on the counter and practice standing on one foot. Mm. And then take your hands off the counter Mm -hmm. and see how long you can hold that position. 
And you really should be able to stand on one foot for at least 10 seconds. Again, if you can't, you can actually just practice that at home. And I typically have people, um, after they brush their teeth morning and night, just practice standing on one foot. Oh, that's so clever. I, I love that. So you were sort of mentioning that walking by itself, you know, is, is not enough and can even be risky if people have strength or balance weaknesses. Um, how common is it for people to actually have those strength and balance weaknesses among older adults? Yeah, it's actually much more common than you would think. And there's two reasons for it. Well, actually, there's multiple reasons. But um, there is this normal process of aging, which is called sarcopenia, mm -hmm. which sounds terrible, but it's just that we tend to lose the muscle fibers that are responsible for power. Mm -hmm. It's pretty common that sometimes you'll see somebody in their 70s or 80s and, and their legs are tiny, even though that person walks every day. You actually need to do the strength training piece to maintain your strength because we just lose it as we get older. And of course, that's then compounded by inactivity as well. So mm -hmm. you sort of have that double whammy. So, I mean, if you look population-wise, there's not data on how many people actually have strength impairments, but actually the number one reason why people fall is because of lower extremity weakness. Yeah. So that can sort of give you an idea of, you know, it's pretty prevalent and quite common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I imagine especially in people who kind of get flagged in primary care when they ask the questions that are recommended for people age 65 or older, have you fallen in the past year or have you been worried about falling or have you been worried about your balance? I imagine that within that group, it must be actually pretty common to have these strength or balance uh, weaknesses when they're checked. Yeah, it's it's extremely common. And um, it's actually one of the reasons why when we're, we're really starting to change how screening and assessment is done and that, you know, typically those questions are asked and then ideally it's followed up by a functional test to mm -hmm. assess the strength and balance piece. Yeah, that's a great idea. I hope that becomes more common. Tell us a little bit more about Otago in particular. What is it and how is it different from the PT services that an older adult might get if they're referred to, to physical therapy after they screen positive at the primary care doctor's office? Great. Absolutely. First, I'll, I'll explain why it has such a funny name. It doesn't stand for anything. It was actually developed at the University of Otago in New Zealand, and mm -hmm. that's where the name, the Otago Exercise Program, came from. And what the program is, is it's just, it's a series of structured and progressive strength and balance exercises. There's a total of 17 exercises. And in the original trials, the way it worked was the older adult was evaluated by a physical therapist and the PT identified and selected which of those 17 were the most appropriate for that older adult given their balance abilities. The PT saw the patient four times over an eight-week period. And at each visit, they would check in, see how the patient was doing with the exercises and progress them. Mm -hmm. After the eight-week period, the physical therapist actually would call the patient once a month again. How are you doing? How are things going? And then they would do a follow-up visit at six months. So there's a couple things that are quite different about the program. The first is that it really is up to the patient 
to own the exercises and do them. Mm-hmm. The program doesn't work <laughs> unless unless the patient actually does the exercises. So that low frequency of PT visits really gives the patient a chance to do the exercises, master them, and then demonstrate their improvements. Now, forgive me if I'm asking a silly question, but I thought that often physical therapy does involve the home exercise program and giving people exercises to do at home. It absolutely does. And anybody who's ever gone to a physical therapist gets their set of home exercises. But typically, PT practice in the United States, we tend to see our patients a whole bunch more Mm. instead of once every other week. Oftentimes, and this is throughout the U.S., it's a little different depending on where you actually are geographically. But in many places in the United States, you know, you see your patient an average of two or three times a week, maybe for a month, as opposed to four times in two months and then with follow-up visits long term. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, by only having 17 exercises and by within each exercise, there's a progression So everything is very standardized. And as a profession, we're starting to move that direction. We're starting to say, hey, here's what the evidence says really works, and this is what we need to be doing. Now, you know, 17 sounds like a lot to me, but I guess compared to the scope of exercises that physical therapists might recommend, it's it's a fairly, uh, it's a smaller number. Well, it is. And also, typically, you don't prescribe all 17. Mm -hmm. So there is a progression within the program. So for example, there's only one exercise done in sitting, and this is really important. All the others are done in standing. But the one exercise that's done in sitting is sitting knee extension. So that's when you sit down and you you straighten and bend your knee. So it's a quadriceps specific exercise. And it uses weights as well. So you can progress the weights. So you've got that, and then you have exercises where you're lifting your leg out to the side, and then you're lifting your leg to the back. But then there's other exercises, like we have tandem walk, and that's a heel-toe walk on a straight line. And then there's what I think is the most challenging exercise, which is a heel-toe backwards walk. So within those 17, you basically pick and choose what's going to give your patient a challenge and then progress them. So at any point in time, I typically only have a patient doing maybe 10 of the 17 at the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Otago is, uh, it's over a year. It's based in the, the home. It involves really giving patients, I guess, a certain responsibility and partnering with them, I suppose, to support them in doing these exercises at home. It's got kind of a menu of uh, the 17 exercises and the physical therapist chooses among them. Mm-hmm. What else makes Otago Otago and, and different? Yeah. So there's a few other bits and pieces. So um, optimally, the patient does about 30 minutes of strength and balance exercises three times a week. Then when the physical therapist deems that the patient is ready, they also add in a walking program. And so that walking program is 30 minutes as well, eventually. Somebody can only walk for 10 minutes. You only prescribe 10 minutes, but Mm -hmm. eventually it's 30 minutes three times a week. Ultimately, what's happening is that the patient is receiving a total dose of three hours of strength and balance exercises each week. And the beautiful thing about that is that we have research that shows that you need at least two hours of strength and balance exercises to get 
a protective effect against a fall. So the beautiful thing about Otago is structured, progressive, and then if you do it and do all components, you're hitting your minimum dose, not only to protect yourself against a fall, but then you're also hitting your minimum dose of physical activity as recommended by the American College of Sports Medicine for adults age 65 and older. Okay. So it's a, a one-two punch there. Yeah, that's great. So I guess because ultimately you said it's 30 minutes of exercises three times a week plus the walking getting up mm-hmm. to 30 minutes. Yep, exactly. And so the walking's part of it, but as you were saying, walking alone is not enough. And it sounds like it's really important to do the walking after the person has done enough strength and balance exercises to kind of be ready for it. Yeah, yeah, very, very important. And the thing about walking is that once you are ready for it, it's a great exercise for balance, not so much for strength, but, you know, especially if you're walking outside, but you have to have the basic balance abilities to not put yourself at risk. Right. So tell us a little bit more about uh, what the research on Otago has shown and how well it works and who it's best suited to. What we know about Otago is that it really is best for our more frail, older adults. In the original research, it had the the biggest impact on women over the age of 80 who were living in the community and anybody over the age of 65 who had experienced a fall. Um, That was also research that was done in the 90s, and it was research that was done specific to New Zealand. What we're finding in the United States is that it really is appropriate for anyone who has significant weakness or significant balance impairments. It is probably a little too easy for folks who are, you know, living independent in their home, ambulating in the community without any challenges, have minimal falls history, if any. Those are the folks that are going to benefit from something more dynamic, like a Tai Chi class where, you know, it's done in standing for an hour and it's Mm -hmm. just a series of, of balance exercises. But for anybody who's starting to go down that path of being more frail or who has experienced a fall or who's starting to really limit what they do daily, either because they're afraid they're going to fall or they don't have the strength or balance. That's really the sweet spot for Mm -hmm. Otago. Well, it sounds like it might work for people who who I think of as in kind of this middle area, because I think often when we we say for people who are very frail, people think of people who are extremely frail and in nursing homes. And I do feel like there's this this middle set where they're not, um, for instance, they've had a fall or two and have been a little afraid of falling, Mm -hmm. but they may not otherwise feel like they're too frail. And I think often actually the primary care doctors may not perceive them as such. You know, I completely agree. The older patients may not mention it to their doctors because they're, they're embarrassed or they don't like the thought that they might be, you know, quote unquote, getting old, but they don't look so visibly frail to everybody. And I think we can, we can easily miss it. So I I like uh, the way you sort of mentioned that um, it's helpful for people with decreased strength and balance and that that's actually fairly common in those people who've had some falls or who have found themselves kind of, you know, worried <laughs> about falling. It sounds like for many of those people, they're, they're likely to, to, to benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah, it, they really do. And even if somebody, you know, sometimes people hear the program, it's a year-long program, and it's, it's not a year-long program for everybody. For certain people, who are starting to have that weakness and starting to have those balance challenges, they might do Otago for a month or two and then have gained so much that then they can transition over to a Tai Chi class or to a a Mm fall-proof class. Yeah, well, that's good to know too. 
Yeah, because sometimes you're like, I don't want to commit a whole year to this. I'm going to get bored. <laughs> and, and and you don't have to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the flip side is, is we've had some people who are really impaired and ve- be very successful with their program, but it may take six months before they really start showing that mm-hmm. success. Yeah. And I, I'm sure if you've seen an 80-year-old, you've seen an 80-year-old. There's so much variability in our aging population that we always have to sort oh, of absolutely. You know, step back and go, so so where is this person in the continuum and what's going to get them to where they right. need to go? Right, exactly. And also whether it takes just a few months or, or a whole year, assuming that the person had the strength and balance weaknesses at the beginning, I mean, the studies showed really a pretty substantial effect in terms of reducing falls, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's important to emphasize for the right person, this is something that can have a lot of payoff. And as we know, falls, a bad fall can be just a devastating, life-changing injury for, for older adults. So tell us a little bit about just how effective Otago is and what the research has found. Yeah, so it, it's highly, highly effective. And what the research has shown, the original research and then subsequent trials, have shown a 35% reduction in high-risk falls. So again, the original research was really looking at women over the age of 80. And we know that population is at a much higher risk of experiencing a significant injury from a fall. When you reduce falls by 35% in that population, you're having a pretty big impact on quality of life. The other thing that they found, which was really fascinating, is um, they studied these folks for six months, and then they did a follow-up visit at a year. And at a year, even though, you know, they hadn't, the researchers hadn't been interacting with them, everybody was still exercising and then they were still showing benefits. And then they followed them another year. And so they found that even two years later, the folks that had been in the intervention and doing the exercises were still falling significantly less and experiencing significantly fewer injuries. Wow, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about a payoff. Now, did those, did many of those people keep doing the exercises after they quote unquote graduated? They actually did. They found that 35% of those in the original study were still doing the exercises three times a week, which is an incredible Mm -hmm. (laughs) adherence rate. Um, and that many, many more were still doing yeah. them to one to two times a week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it helps to have a program that just clearly defines what to do and helps you build the habits. Because I think often, I know I've been guilty of this, you know, we tell people, well, you should exercise and we don't, we don't give them a lot of, of structure and example for that. We just know that in general, for people to make lifestyle changes that are sustainable, it has to be you know, it helps when it's really clear, when it's doable, when they build the habit, and then hopefully they also sort of feel or see the payoff. But that's just amazing that so many people kept doing it and that it had an effect for, for, for such a long time. So I, uh, I think uh, I know that on the website at UNC, there's a little bit more information kind of explaining what's involved in doing Otago for an older adult and family. And, and I'll put a link to that because I want to make sure we have time to, to ask you about some, some other related issues for exercise and older adults. So again, just coming back to that, that question of how is it, what happens when people are referred for a gait and balance evaluation? And how is that different or complementary to Otago? Sure. So in the United States, um, with physical therapists, what we've really been stressing is that, you know, PTs should be screening all older adults for falls risk, regardless of the initial referral. Um, I'll Mm. give you an example. Uh, Many years ago as a therapist, when I was a younger therapist, 
I was treating a lady for a rotator cuff problem and, and I was very focused on that rotator cuff and I wasn't really thinking about anything else. And, you know, I'd been treating her for a couple of weeks and she happened to mention that the reason why she tore her rotator cuff was that she had fallen. And oh my like, oh, and, and, oh. and so it made me sort of pull back and go, wait a minute, we got to look at the whole person here. Mm-hmm. So people can be referred for gait imbalance and Really, what what should happen is that the therapist should assess what are the contributing factors to that gait and balance issue and what needs to be addressed right now within physical therapy. And then Otago needs to come in once the client is stable and the impairments have been addressed. Then the PT would be recommending and prescribing Otago to address any weaknesses or other issues. Now, for example, if a patient had a vestibular issue, meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. their vestibular system was not functioning and was making them dizzy and contributing to the falls, the therapist... That sort of ear-based vertigo, right? Ear-based vertigo, um, exactly. mm -hmm. So the therapist would need to address that first through a series of PT interactions and then, then go ahead and prescribe Otago. So... It's a little bit of a, in New Zealand, it was very, um, because it was a research study, it was like, all they did was Otago, whereas in the States, the lines are a little blurred. So you basically see your PT to do your assessment. And then if strength and balance are a concern, and if the patient is appropriate, then the PT would prescribe and follow with Otago. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you don't necessarily have to have a gait and balance referral, but that it's sort of helpful in terms of checking for, you know, it would be the first step in evaluating strength and balance, which if I understood right, is part of the beginning of Otago, but also looking for other issues that maybe should be addressed in order to make sure that the person's, you know, going to benefit from Otago, that there's not something else that should be addressed first. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that's um, a little different about the dissemination of the program in the United States is that instead, we definitely encourage patients to do Otago in the home and therapists to work with Otago in the home. But that sometimes is a little limiting because sometimes it's only home health therapists that are in the home. So there is the opportunity really to work with therapists in the outpatient setting as well. So we have outpatient PTs now prescribing and implementing Otago. So now that you've spent a few years trying to bring Otago to the U.S., do you find that a lot of doctors are referring patients for Otago or how are people finding their way to Otago? It's, um, it is a slow process. It's a big <laughs> country with a complicated healthcare system. Um, right. <laughs> but um, we, are, we are seeing more and more awareness by both physicians and physical therapists about the program. And now the public. And now the public, exactly. Are, you know, recording. Exactly. So we are actually having people start to request. We're having patients start to request the program. And we are having more doctors writing referrals to PT saying, please consider the Otago exercise program. Um, We actually have one primary care practice in Salem, Oregon, that has really seen some incredible results by a group that's been implementing Otago. And they have been so excited about it that they've gone ahead and put it into their electronic medical record. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's our biggest, that's our biggest success story. So we're, we're hoping we can replicate that in some other places. 
Mm-hmm. And are any of the big managed care Medicare organizations, bigger organizations like Kaiser or others taking on Otago or the, or the VA, for instance? The, uh, Kaiser Oregon actually is in the process of implementing it with their, through their home health division. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it's getting there. And then there's a couple other organizations that are are just trying to looking at it um, and actually looking at maybe even introducing the exercises in the hospital to be followed on through home health and then through outpatient. Um, mm-hmm. But these are all in very early stages. Yeah. And now Medicare covers Otago, but, you know, as I was learning about it, and I did really enjoy the online course about Otago, which which I took and just want to tell the audience, it's $25. And if you're in the health professions, super worthwhile is what I thought. But uh, if I understood right, Medicare covers Otago, but at the same time, you have to do a little like working around it because Medicare wasn't designed to cover Otago as originally designed, right? Exactly, exactly. So if if the patient demonstrates that they need skilled physical therapy because of balance issues or other issues, then the PT absolutely can offer Otago as part of the plan of care and Medicare can absolutely reimburse the PT for that time. It gets a little challenging. Um, the first eight weeks, those four visits in eight weeks, is very straightforward. Occasionally, actually not just occasionally, but it is challenging for PTs to keep patients on caseload for a significant amount of time, much longer than those eight weeks, due to actually just a lot of um, documentation policies, which make it really challenging. So, mm-hmm. and also Medicare at this point in time will not reimburse physical therapists for phone calls. So oh, yeah. those two things make it, I mean, we've seen some really creative stuff out there <laughs> to get around mm-hmm. this, but yeah, that, that sometimes can, can definitely pose a barrier. And I think as long as the physical therapist is very honest with the patient of, you know, here's what I can do. Um, and here's why I can't follow you for six months or, or I'm going to have, instead of me calling you, I'm going to have my office manager call. You know, you just sort of have to lay the groundwork ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So if someone listening to this show has been worried about falls for themselves or for an older relative, and they think Otago might be a good option, and maybe they even go home and try the 30-second chair rise and look at the resource we're going to link to and, you know, see how many they're supposed to do at their age, and it looks like they have some strength and balance problems, if they think Otago might be a good option for them, how should they go about looking for it and trying to find it? What would you recommend? I think the easiest thing to do, depending on, on where you are, is first look to see if there are any physical therapists that specialize in older adults in your area. So there are practices that are specific to older adults. And I think, first of all, just calling them and asking is the easiest thing to do. And I think overall people will get a positive response to that. We also at UNC actually do have a database of people who've taken our online training. So we can direct people, we can direct patients, you know, if they tell us what zip code they're in, we can definitely tell them if people have been trained in that zip code and we can hook them up that way as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess they can call physical therapy practices and both ask if they do Otago and also if they're particularly focused mm-hmm. on older adults. Because I guess there'll be some practices that focus on older adults but have uh, not yet trained or figured out how to implement Otago, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
And does it work to ask them, well, can you do this with me? Absolutely. (laughs) It might help motivate them to actually go and uh, do the online training for three hours and take advantage of this exciting new development in um, exercise for older adults. What about asking the doctor? Is that working for people right now or is it still a little too early and not too many doctors have heard about Otago? It's still a little too early. And again, it's, it's very geographic specific. So... Oregon was actually funded by the CDC to help disseminate Otago, as was Colorado and New York. So there's a little more traction in those states. But it's worth a conversation with a physician Mm -hmm. to say, hey, I heard about this program and it sounds like it's pretty amazing and it's evidence-based. Because I think think we're all, you know, managing falls risk is such an incredible challenge and everyone is looking for solutions. So it's totally mm-hmm. fine for patients to educate clinicians about these. I have of certainly things. learned, yeah, I've learned a lot of useful things over the years from, you know, patients bringing in a good high quality resource, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it helps when they have like a website or a handout with a little more information so you can learn a little bit more about what they're describing to you and find out what's behind it, what's the evidence, what supports it. So, but yeah, I think doctors are so busy that I think it's really essential to learn a bit from the patients as we go along. If someone is a high fall risk and they can't find Otago locally, what do you think is the next best option? Um, I think definitely working with the physical therapist to do some strength and balance exercises and being a real critical consumer because, again, whatever that home exercise program is, if it's not Otago, it still has to be exercises done in standing that are challenging and that get progressed over time. So, and and if that's not happening with the physical therapist, then you just need to find another physical therapist. Because mm, mm-hmm. it's... Well, that's really useful. <laughs> so they should be standing, they should challenge you and they... I guess the therapist should make it a little harder every few weeks unless there's a clear reason that you're not getting stronger. And I think you mentioned earlier that the key dose is at least two hours a week, right? Exactly. Yeah. And don't listen to someone who tells you start by walking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or be careful. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. And And, and, um, we've just learned so much more about the intensity and we're really finding that our older patients need to be challenged and mm-hmm. you know, exercising in a chair just isn't going to do it. You know, we, we don't right. typically fall out of a chair. We typically fall when we're standing. So we need to train in standing. Mm-hmm. And also, I just want to mention that all those 17 exercises for Otago at UNC, you created little videos illustrating them. And I did find them on YouTube They can also be downloaded from your website. So people can look at those exercises. I mean, I think they're definitely going to need help from someone deciding, you know, what's the right set for a given week and maybe help knowing when to progress. But but it seems like you have you have put out some resources that can help people, you know, have a starting point for the conversation with others, even if they haven't been fully trained in Otago. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those resources, they're free, downloadable. We've got the videos in English and Spanish and the exercises in English and Spanish. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they're there for. Yeah. And, and I'll link to that in the show notes too. Now, how does Otago compare to other evidence-based fall prevention programs like Stepping On or A Matter of Balance? Yeah. So the, the great thing about the the current evidence-based programs is we have this really lovely continuum going on. Otago, as we said before, is really for our more frail older adults who would benefit from more one-on-one coaching. 
And Stepping On is a group exercise program. And Excuse me. It's not an exercise program. It's a group behavior change program that has a small exercise component to it, which, lo and behold, are also basically the Otago exercises. Hmm. So, um, And Stepping On was developed in Australia, so there was a lot of cross-pollinization so, and with the Stepping On program, you're going to go, it's going to be a lot more education when people go through that program. There's a much better understanding of why people fall, what you can do to prevent a fall. And then you're given the tools like the exercises, a home safety assessment to really sort of go forth and help manage your own fall risk. Matter of Balance is also a behavior change program, and it's very specific for people who have fear of falling. Mm -hmm. And again, lots of education, really highly effective program. And then Tai Chi would be the other one on the continuum, which would be for people who, again, are, are higher functioning and need a greater challenge. And then there's also a program called Fall Proof, which is excellent, which is also exercise-based and then there's there's a couple others as well. But the big difference with Otago is, again, it's just definitely more for those people who are, who are starting to have major balance issues. And, um, and the other programs that are out there, Enhanced Fitness is another one, are really more for people who are higher functioning, who are in the community and want to start addressing their balance as part of their uh, fitness and wellness programs. Mm -hmm. So stepping on in a matter of balance is, is kind of in a way a little bit more preventive mm -hmm. and anticipating sort of staying, staying ahead, I guess, of the fall problems. Whereas Otago is good for people who've already had some falls or developed some uh, weakness and balance problems and need a kind of intensive structured program to sort of work them through exercises and build up that strength and balance. Exactly. Does that sound about right? Yep, okay. exactly right. So I guess for kind of fall proof and a matter of balance and stepping on, people can, can kind of see what's available near them. Yes. Are these mm -hmm. sort of often offered at the YMCA or senior centers? Yeah. The Ys offer a bunch of different Tai Chi classes. Senior centers often will offer stepping on and fall proof and enhanced fitness and interestingly, one model of stepping on, which is looking to be pretty effective, is trauma centers. So, you know, oftentimes hospitals will have um, education for the public. Hmm. And um, the level one trauma centers are really starting to look at falls as an issue. And so they're wanting to offer, um, they do a lot of like car seat safety and those types of things. But now they're starting to offer stepping on classes as well. So you'll, you'll find them all over. Mm -hmm. But you were saying that stepping on doesn't build up balance and strength quite as much. So if somebody does like the 30 second chair rise and really has difficulty with that, that's kind of a sign that you could do one of these other programs, but you need to make sure to really get that. Um, as you were saying, the uh, standing exercise is challenging two hours a week and get help with that exactly. either through Otago or through a program with a physical therapist or um do you recommend people work with exercise trainers or fitness people who are not physical therapists when it comes to an older person who's had falls and strength and balance weakness? Because I know there are people who are offering services uh, along there too. Yeah. Well, you know, some fitness trainers are awesome. Um, but if somebody's experienced a fall, we really need to, to do a full comprehensive assessment to identify what that problem is 
is. Like, why did that person fall? And physical therapists go through so much training and so much training in differential diagnosis that I would just highly recommend at least an evaluation because, you know, was it a vision issue? Was it a vestibular Mm -hmm. issue? Was it a proprioceptive issue? Is it something else entirely? You know, just to go through that and because when we do get older, our bodies are more complex and it really, you know, if you start doing the wrong exercise at the wrong intensity, you could open yourself up for injury. So I typically recommend at least a at least one assessment by a PT and then really sort of identifying what's going to be the best exercises. Mm-hmm. For people who are who are already exercising on a regular basis and aren't having any concerns, then yeah, I think working with an exercise physiologist or a, a personal trainer is fantastic. And you know, if it's working mm-hmm. for you, great. But but if you've had a fall, if you're starting to have balance issues and you know you want to start a program, I, th- I think starting and getting a really good comprehensive assessment is, is a very, very smart thing to do. Yeah. And uh, that was one, those were some of the things I addressed in the, you know, the related episode before were just the medical things. Mm-hmm you know, is it blood sugar dropping for people who are on diabetes medications and that often there are all these, or anemia. I mean, I've had people who've been having falls and actually their blood count was quite low because of an illness or because they were taking aspirin and having a little bleed. And those are all things that require professional health evaluation, both, I would say, from the primary care doctor and then also with physical therapy Mm -hmm. before you can move on using exercise or as a complement to using exercise to also address the strength and balance problems that are so common Absolutely. as a contributor to falls. So yeah, I completely agree with you there. So, so um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but this has just been so rich and interesting for me. I know I learned so much these past few weeks in reading about Otago and taking the course. Now that we're moving into an, an online world, are there any apps or online programs or even video programs or, you know, we programs that help older adults uh, stick with an exercise program that works well for fall prevention? Yeah, there are. So I'm actually working on a project right now where we're using the Connect camera to deliver the Otago exercises. And uh, so the, the way it works, you have a television and a computer and a camera the, the client logs in and they have their exercises and they have an avatar that leads them through the exercises. So they, and they can see themselves, they see a shadow of themselves on the television. So the avatar is doing the otago exercises and the client's doing the otago exercises. And we're finding that is a really great way to promote adherence and compliance. Um, mm-hmm. And it's designed so that all of the exercise sessions are monitored off-site. So if somebody was doing something wrong or an exercise inappropriately, the clinician would actually be notified and you could go review the videos and go, oh, you know, they're doing their squats a little bit wrong or they shouldn't be holding on when they're doing their standing heel raises. So that's coming down. That's definitely in the future, a near, near future. And we're also finding that that particular medium for an older client is really fun and really engaging. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I mean, it's everything from I had one user tell me that she loved the fact that her avatar was a shadow as opposed to a mirror because she she didn't like going to uh exercise classes where there was a mirror because she wasn't that happy with how she looked. But she felt that Uh if she looked at her shadow, 
she didn't have any of that negativity uh, uh-huh. because she thought it was much more forgiving. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's, that's totally interesting. It is interesting. Um, but also there's this other piece of learning to navigate a new technology and use that technology mm-hmm. to help you manage your health is very powerful. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's a couple apps out there that deliver versions of the Otago program the way they work is as the exercises are there. And so you can go through the exercises and check them off when you do them. Now, are those apps for the physical therapist to use or for the, the older They're person? They're for the older person to use. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can give me a link to some more information. Yes, I can. That. Yeah. Yes, I can absolutely. That's that. nice to know about. Yeah. And then briefly, how well do these programs, including Otago, work for people who are older and have dementia or some memory and thinking problems? Have you found that? that what have you found that works for those people? Sure. So what we found is that Otago works when people do the exercises. So with people who have cognitive impairment or memory problems, as long as there's a caregiver who's dedicated to help everybody remember, then it works really well. But if there's no systems in place, then it's really too much to ask The one other way that you can get around that is through some cueing so that every time you do the Otago exercises, if there's a a particular piece of music that the older adult is listening to, they'll actually sort of start connecting that whenever they hear that music, Mm. they should do their exercises. Mm -hmm. It takes a while to build that implicit memory in place, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. But that might be a good thing to do for people you know, for instance, who have mild dementia mm-hmm. and are likely to live for years, you know, if you help them build those habits and do the program earlier, assuming that they have the strength and balance weakness, which many of them will, mm-hmm. then they could be, it'll be easier for them to be there two years later, still doing it as part of what keeps them mobile and able to participate as much as possible in their lives. Absolutely. So that's a neat thought. Yeah. Adding music to it for people who yes. <laughs> And it makes it more fun. Have kind of impairment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the third option is classes. We do have different assisted living facilities that actually will have an Otago class. And they might be, okay. you know, with five to seven people. And, you know, even though the program's tailored to the user's abilities, you can run a class and still make sure that everybody's challenged. Great. Well, so just in closing, any last favorite fall prevention resources that you'd like to recommend to our our <laughs> audience? <laughs> You've already mentioned a few like great programs, Stepping On, Fall Proof, Matter of Balance. And of course, I'm going to link to your site on Otago and the videos, but any other favorite websites or books? Um, yeah, I, I think the National Council on Aging has an incredible website with Mm -hmm. not just about fall prevention, but about so many different aspects of maintaining health and wellness as you age. And and also they have a listing of all the different states that are offering evidence-based programs. And it's just an incredible resource. So I would, I I love, I love that one. Well, I'll post that. And, uh, and yeah, and just briefly for the audience, evidence-based programs means programs that have been kind of clinically studied, right? Mm -hmm. And that have been kind of defined as it has to include this, and then they, they study it and find that it had an effect. Yeah. Because yeah. not everything that's offered is, is evidence-based. Absolutely. Yeah, no, these are very rigorously tested, and they're tested in the research setting, and then they're tested in the community setting, and they consistently demonstrate 
you know, a reduction in falls and improvement in quality of life or whatever the program is designed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. So it's good to look for those mm-hmm. and see if you can find one of those. Okay. Tiffany, thank you so very much for sharing all this wealth of information on Otago and exercises that really work for fall prevention. It's been uh, great to have you and, and you'll have to keep me posted if there are new interesting developments on exercise in older adults. Absolutely. I would love to do that. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Sure. I hope you all enjoyed those fantastic physical therapy insights from Professor Tiffany Schubert. If you want to learn more about the Otago Exercise Program for Fall Prevention or about some of the other programs we talked about in this episode, I've put lots of useful links in the show notes online for this episode, including links to videos showing the chair rise test and the balance test. That way you can get started figuring out whether low leg strength or poor balance might be an important fall risk factor for your particular situation. I've also linked to resources and videos illustrating all the Otago exercises, but if you do suspect that leg weakness or balance are a problem, I want to really encourage you to bring it up with a doctor or physical therapist. You can ask them about Otago, and I do think it's probably best to get a little professional input on how to start an exercise program that's right for your situation, because a professional can help you know where to get started and how to keep progressing in a way that's safe and effective. To find the show notes for this episode, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net, click podcast in the main menu at the top, and then you'll see the list of recent episodes, and you can click the title for this episode, and that'll take you to the show notes. And of course, if you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, please post your question in the comments section under the show notes for this episode. Chances are that many other listeners will be wondering the same thing. So when you post your question on the site, that allows me to provide an answer that can be helpful to the entire audience. And if I can't answer the question for this topic, then I'll reach out to Tiffany or others of my colleagues to help me with your questions about falls and exercise. If you've been enjoying the show, please do help support us by subscribing to the show on iTunes. Because when you subscribe, this makes it easier for others to discover our show on iTunes. And I'd love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. If you've already subscribed, you can provide even more support by leaving a rating or even a review in iTunes, because those are really helpful too. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.